0: Stogar. Wadeep. Hmm? My name is a killing word. They are ready to fight. Yet in order to lead them, I must conquer the worm. Conquer Shai Halud. Welcome to another exciting, action packed episode of the Tomcast Podcast. Coming to you from a sand trap on the 18th hole at the Dune Desert Classic, where the joke is the entire planet's a sand trap. What are we even doing out here? <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for listening to this quality, independent pop culture podcast. Please make sure you're following us on social media at Tomcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, TomcastPopcast at gmail.com. Please make sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Pandora, Audible, Amazon, so many, many more. And hey, shout out to Brandon listening on via YouTube. He's taking the time, he's getting the he's getting the, the weird video background of just our logo, but he's listening, he's checking the show out that way. Thank you to Brandon. Appreciate that, bud. Alright, let's get into this one. We got something something cooking this week. And it's going to be a really interesting podcast today, folks. I'm, I'm excited. I'm intrigued. I'm a little nervous. Because uh, it, it's Dune week here on the TomCast podcast. We're getting into Dune. And we are going to try and um, uh, uh, familiarize anyone in the audience who, who wants to be become familiarized with the world of Dune uh, just ahead of the release of the new Denny Villeneuve-directed Dune adaptation uh, that'll be in theaters and you know, on H- HBO Max at the end, end of October, beginning of November, something like that. And and so we, we thought this would be a really fun time to kind of re-explore the 84 David Lynch-directed Dune, starting a, a bevy of people. I'll, I'll get to all that later. Uh, it's it's fortunate timing that we're doing this when we're doing this ahead of the Denis Villeneuve movie uh, because I think a lot of people are, are very curious to see that flick, to check it out, see what Dune's all about. And a lot of people who are Dune fans already are very excited about by what Denny is potentially going to bring to the table in in, uh, in his adaptation of the Frank Herbert classic known as Dune. And listen, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Dune is not, I you know, depending on what order you listen to the episodes in, I've said this before, I am not a Dune aficionado. It was not something um, that I connected with early on in my childhood. Uh, Dune is a very... Uh, grown-up science fiction. It, it's, it wasn't something that a little kid was going to connect with, necessarily. Like, there's some fun action stuff in there. But it's plot-heavy, it's plot-driven, it's dialogue-driven, and, uh, it's, again, I think it's very grown-up in that regards. So, yeah, it, it's it's going to be fun to, connect with, to talk with it. I've connected more with the material as I've gotten older, and I've gone back to uh, re-examine Dune over the years, and that's been the fun part about that. But, again, I do not consider myself an expert, uh, and I'm hoping our guests will, will be able to provide a little bit more illumination. Like I said, this is Dune Week on the podcast, so there are going to be two episodes this week. Um, one for the 1984 Dune movie, again, directed by David Lynch, starring Kyle MacLachlan. Uh, and that, that, that's, that's probably going to be everyone's easiest way to, to get into Dune, because you can watch the movie. It's on HBO Max now. If you want to check it out, you can just stream it, put it on, see what Dune's all about, see what we're going to be talking about on the podcast. We also have another episode of the show where we are going to get into the book of Dune, and in that episode, um, it didn't start off this way, but we sort of uh, we do get into the big plot of the of the story and, and how the the book kind of does this narration, how the book tells the story of Paul Atreides. Uh, but Dune, that episode also has a, a really far more comprehensive breakdown of some of the title uh, that that titles that many of these characters have, and and, and sort of explaining some of the bigger issues bigger bigger uh, um, um, understand trying to provide a better understanding of who these characters are in this dune universe in this world of dune uh, so that's an episode that's going to be out uh, again you'll be listening you'll be able to listen to them in any order you want basically once once they both come out they'll come out the same week and you can listen to these as you want that episode like I said I, I kind of we kind of position that as like a, a primer episode so we'll spend more time talking about, what is a quidsack hatarak, What is uh, a Bene Gesserit? What is a mentat? We spend more time breaking that down in that episode, so uh, I urge you, if you want that sort of like deeper understanding of what we're what, of the words we're throwing around when we talk about Dune, the book podcast will be the one to check out, as as we really do try to provide a lot more context and a lot more information for for understanding uh, where some of these titles came from, how the world of Dune sort of evolved from. A humanity that we know, because Dune is Dune is the extreme far future, and and that's something to keep in mind. It is it, it, everyone's human, but a lot has happened to humanity in 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 the time from the time that we know to the time of Dune. So it's it's fairly it's very intense. There's a lot to talk about, and, and we will there will there will be some crossover. It is inevitable, but yeah, that will be the episode that has a lot more um, explanation of 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 Titles and history and, and things like that. We're going to try to stay very focused on the David Lynch movie this week on the show. Uh, and I should also mention that this, again, I mentioned how this is fortuitous timing. Uh, it is fortuitous timing in the sense that not only is that Dennyville new movie coming out, so there's new Dune content to talk about down the road, uh, but this is also a Patreon Picks episode. Uh, our, our Patreon, the, the New Jersey Devil, wanted to talk about Dune, and, and here it is, the Dune show is happening. So... Get ready for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get into it. It's, I'm excited. But let me go ahead and, and read off some of the, the vital statistics for Dune. Again, from 1984, directed by David Lynch. Starring, and this is in alphabetical order, okay? Uh, uh, Francesca Ennis as Lady Jessica. Leonardo Simeno as the Baron's Doctor. Brad Dorf is Peter DeVries. Jose Ferrer is the Padish em- Emperor. Uh, Linda Hunt is Shout Out Mapes. Freddie Jones is the Hawat. Richard Jordan is Duncan Idaho. Kyle McLaughlin is Paul Atreides. Virginia Madsen is Princess Aurelian. Silvana Magnano is the Reverend Mother Romolo. Everett McGill is Stilgar. Kenneth McMillan is Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Jack Nance is Newfound. Uh, Cian Phillips is the Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Moheim. Jurgen Procknow is Duke Leo Atreides. Paul L. Smith is the Beast Raban. Patrick Stewart himself is Gurney Halak. Sting is Fayad Rotha. Dean Stockwell as Dr. Wellington Huey. Max von Sydow as Dr. Leet Kynes. Alicia Witt is Aaliyah, Sean Young is Chani, and that's kind of it. I mean, I mean, listen, this cast is huge, but those are a lot of our bigger characters and a lot of the actors that you will recognize in this in this movie. Uh, uh, David Lynch does have a, have a have a uncredited cameo as a spice worker in this, but yeah, that's that's kind of our principal cast, I suppose, if 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 you will. So a big sprawling cast, a big sprawling sci-fi epic of a movie and we're going to get into it right now. But we do have to thank the official members of Pophead Nation, because without their support, the lights are off, the power's done, the computer can't turn on, and uh, these microphones are, are just useless. They're just fancy, weird-looking paperweights. And uh, I mean, I do have a lot of paper, I'm not going to lie, so that would be helpful. <laughs> but But we need them to be functional. We like this to be a functional podcast, so we do have to thank the official members of Pophead Nation who keep this show on the rails. You can join up patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast you can join the nation gain access to the sweet bonus content thank you to our current Patreons the Aspen Hill Chudi the Batman of Bay Park Jeff Nail Jeff Co-hosting The Ring and Ear great music podcast check them out they have a new episode out now I think thanks to Evil Circle the evilest of all circles thank the Baron Harkonnen of all circles the Squidmaster General Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil Mark Wagamer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista Pariah Brewing Company, right here in San Diego, California, and coming soon to Baltimore, Maryland. And of course, the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops. Hey now, let's get into, it's time, it's time to get into Dune. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? You know what to do, sit down, buckle up, hold on to your butts, and buckle up again. Let's go.
1: I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Only
0: the very strong ones travel this deep. Russell has called a big one.
1: Again, it is the legend.
0: All right, much like Ussel himself, we've summoned a big one. <laughs> that big one is my brother Mark. How are you doing today, sir? Good, to, I'm glad to have you here.
1: Thank you. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm good. How are you? Uh,
0: yeah, pretty good. i'm 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 excited. I'm intrigued by our our conversation coming up. I'm a tad worried <laughs> because this is a this is a strange one. This is a, a a a movie. You know, we've talked about cult classic movies on the podcast before. I mean, obviously the the biggest one that we get into quite often is Evil Dead. Uh this is very different than that in in the sense that like this is a big large sprawling sci-fi epic with a huge budget It had a lot of um Hopes and dreams behind it from the from the studio that made it, um, but it was a a commercial and critical uh, a failure. We'll we'll call it that. We'll call it that. We won't call it a, a complete disaster or anything like that. Um, but the movie's stature has kind of grown in the last thirty-something years. Uh, yeah. So it does have a cult following behind it. People do really seem to dig it. Some people are really into like the super long television cut of it. That's like three and a half hours long. You know, Lord of the Rings style. Right, uh, but the film's director, David Lynch, was has always been fairly adamant that like this is the movie the two and a half, the two hour and seventeen minute cut that you can watch on HBO Max. Right. So yeah, I'm excited to get into this. You are the big proponent of Dune. You are my Dune man. You're the Dune master.
1: I, I suppose i not much of one, but yeah.
0: The the, the Duneologist? is that better? Yeah,
1: I, I, I guess between the two of us, yeah. You are, a, I fit that role.
0: You are the Leet Keynes of this episode, okay? I'm gonna do my best. Did I say it right? Is it Keens or Kinds? It might be Kinds. I think it's Kinds. I think you're right. Already, already off the out of the gate, I'm struggling. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about it. I mean, David Lynch. I, I'm I'm gonna kind of turn it over to you because I, I think you can talk more. Uh, you, you have better words to describe the kind of director that David Lynch is, right? I mean, I I would just say like he's. Out there, esoteric, you know, kind of guy. But please, by uh, by all means, elaborate. Let's talk about David Lynch for a little bit.
1: Well, I I think out there, esoteric, uh, is an apt description. Um, but he's very, I, you know, I guess you would say uh, art house, um, independent. Um, he's, in my opinion, I think I think he's a true artist, mm-hmm. and he. Brings to his films a very specific vision. You might not always like that. Uh, it might seem strange. It might seem nonsensical at times, but um, but it's definitely unique and it's definitely his. Yeah. And 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 I I I really responded to that. I think this was my. Dune, 80, the 84 dune was my first exposure to him I mm-hmm. think as a director and you know one of the things that always stuck with me from this film was sort of it had this kind of bizarre madhouse quality to it that that I always really enjoyed and that kind of got me to to look into some of his his other work.
0: Yeah, I I mean I I know the name David Lynch. I mean I th- probably for most people in the in the listening audience, uh, you know his most well known creation is is probably Twin Peaks, right?
1: You yes. Know,
0: the, he created the mystery the, of of who killed Laura Palmer. It spun off into into I think there was like a movie, and there was like a multiple yes. sequel series on I think on HBO or Showtime or something.
1: There 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 was I think Return to Twin Peaks on Showtime, which because I don't I didn't have Show I still haven't gotten around to watching it, but I'm a big Twenties
0: fan, so yeah. So I mean, I I think because of that, you again, you are the man to have on the on this podcast, the person to have on this podcast because of, of, of just a better familiarity and better understanding of of Lynch as a director. And I uh, you know going back through his his catalog of, of films he's directed, there's only a handful I've seen. I like there there's a million titles that I recognize, but that I've actually sat down and watched only a handful. So uh, yeah, you know, and and like I think you nailed it. I mean, art house I think is a great word, esoteric definitely comes to my mind when I, when I think of him, he's, he's in again I think you also nailed it too. Fiercely independent.
1: Very independent. And I, one thing about Lynch is he describes it perfectly in, uh, he says that he always approaches film from the perspective of a painter because before he got into filmmaking, he was into painting. So, you know, if you you were going to compare him to painters, he's more kind of expressionist. He's more about kind of creating a a, a feeling and a mood, uh, more so than I think your your standard narrative. Well, Dune is definitely a moody movie. That is
0: yes. that is a fact. Yes. <laughs> I I would agree with that. You know, it's it's funny. I, I you you can't believe everything you read on the internet and. One of the things I read about Lynch while doing some, some reading on, on, on stuff for Dune to talk about today, I was like, that I've never heard that rumor in my life. Um, but I wanted to know if, if it was something that you were familiar with at all. But they, there was one thing I had read about Lynch was that prior to this movie, he was offered to direct Return of the Jedi,
1: which does not seem like something <laughs> Lynch would go anywhere near. <laughs> uh, no, it's actually, I, I believe, Believe that's true. He he talks about it. There's yeah. there's a video of him on YouTube talking about it and how he went to he went to Lucas Ranch and he talked to George and he was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like like I like you 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 basically said like you've got the wrong guy. Yeah, I
0: think that was the quote that I read was something along the lines of like like Star Wars is your thing. It is not my thing.
1: Yeah. Okay, so all right, so all right, something I read on the internet was true, all right. More, yeah, well, yeah, it's kind of strange, though, because you think about him turning that down, but then he accepted Dune. Right, and I wonder if that's
0: because Dune... How do I put this? Dune sort of became... Dune was a property, it was a book that came out in, like, what, 65? I think we, we've said it before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and people had been trying to adapt it to, to cinema for a long time. It got fairly close in the mid-70s. Uh, yes. uh, I think it was a French director, uh, uh I
1: think you're thinking of Jodorowsky, and okay. he's, uh, um, I believe, he's Mexican.
0: Right, but I think the production company was was through France. It was to be like a French production. He, yeah,
1: I think, yes, yes, that yes. is correct. Sorry,
0: I, I might have stepped on my words a little bit there, but yes. Uh, um, and it, there's all kinds of stories about that production of the movie and how when it all fell apart, all of a sudden things that looked like they were going to be part of that Dune movie made its way to like star Wars, made its way to alien, made its way to Blade Runner and stuff like that. So there's all kinds of interesting conspiracy theories about that flick. And there's a, there's a documentary about the production of that movie that I'm very curious to watch, but I did not, I did not have time to investigate before we did this episode.
1: Uh, the documentary is called Jodorowsky's Dune and it's very good.
0: Okay. Yeah. and so you you've heard those rumors too, then, the, like how some of the, like that concept artwork made its way to like 20th Century and, and stuff like that.
1: Yes, and um, yeah, I don't I don't really think it's a I don't think it's a conspiracy theory at all. I mean, I I to watch that documentary. I mean, you definitely get the impression that studios wanted to make the movie, but none of them could because of budgetary reasons mm-hmm. and and the fact that, you know, it would be like a four or five hour movie. And uh, Jodorowsky was a very experimental uh, director who had never helmed a big project like that before. And so people just didn't quite trust it. Okay. Yeah. Which, again, kind of odd that it would then fall to David Lynch, who was also an independent uh filmmaker who had never helmed something of this magnitude. Yeah, exactly.
0: And and you know, maybe as, as like a supplemental podcast sometime you and I should discuss that documentary about the uh I'm going to say it wrong again. uh Jodorowski?
1: Jodorowski. Jodorowski. My goodness. Okay. If I can if I can just say one thing about it sure, is sure. that like it has um like Jodorowski's Dune, not the documentary itself, but the film that he was going to make seems to have attained sort of legendary status mm-hmm. that a lot of people a lot of people think like oh it would have been so great but if you if you watch the film or if you watch the documentary you realize like it would not have been a strict adaptation of Frank Herbert's dune it would have been very out there and i th- i think people who don't like david lynch's dune probably wouldn't like that one anymore
0: yeah i think one of the things i read about it was that he had planned a lot of changes that that frank herbert was like
1: are you out of your mind yeah <laughs> yes he and you know what to his credit he was a little bit out of his mind well, and he just owned it
0: to be fair also i think frank herbert's a little out of his mind as far as the 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 book universe that he created but that's a that's a different topic that maybe we'll get into a little bit more here uh yeah. so yeah but i mean because of of that and and you know, other factors. It, it I think Dune, t- like you sort of alluded to, Dune kind of took on this like, unfilmable film quality about it. People kept wanting to make it, but they're like, we don't know how to make it.
1: Yeah, and, right.
0: and so they bring Lynch on board and he kind of, he kind of powers the production, right? I mean, he he kind of makes it go.
1: I suppose so. I mean, I th- I think more so than, than, than David Lynch is, you know, I think it was Dino De Laurentiis, uh, who, you know, the film rights went to him and he was the one that that brought David Lynch on. I think Dino De Laurentiis is just one of those producers who was known for making things happen, whether or not the product was any good or not. You know, that's that's uh, that's up for debate, but he would, he definitely made made things happen. Yeah,
0: De Laurentiis is one of those names it, it, you know Uh, our listening audience needs to like plumb their, the depths of their memory because like that is a name that popped up in so many movies that we all watched growing up. You know, the stuff we would pick up from the video store for the weekend watches or whatever. And like some of it was schlock and like not great, but like there was, I mean the guy was prolific for just getting movies made. Yes. (laughs) So eventually this movie gets made, Uh, you know, there's all, there's, there's so much material that we could dive into about, you know the the, the the production of the film and everything that went into it, and, and all the ups and downs, the rigmarole that everyone went through, the whole thing, but like we're not doing like our own documentary on the making of, so I no. don't wanna I don't want to go down that road. I want to talk about the film itself, yeah, because it's it is such a um, visually interesting movie that that w- our audience deserves us to get into the movie and not talk about this the, all the nonsense behind the scenes. Right, but before we dive in head first, Mark, I do have to ask one important question. Uh oh, what you drinking?
1: Um, I am drinking Allagash's Barrel and Bean. Ooh, it's a it's a bourbon barrel aged golden ale blended with cold brew brewed coffee, and it is nine point six percent. That sounds delightful. It's pretty good. Yeah, this is my first time trying it.
0: Yeah, Allagash
1: is pretty awesome. I'm not gonna They're one mind. of my favorites. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm drinking from our good friends at Pariah Brewing Company. I'm having their proper ESB. It's a 5.4% English-style extra-special bitter ale, and it is quite, mm. quite lovely. It's a nice, easy drinker and uh, you know a little malt forward. But, yeah, it's a crusher, and I think it's going to do nicely for our dune talk. I mean, it, it's brown like the sands of Arrakis. <laughs> I guess the sand's not yeah. brown really, more of a tan. It's a <laughs> but, tan.
1: It's like sand.
0: But again, I guess uh, if I'm gonna go with anything, I guess that's you know it resembles more of an earth tones. It's gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense, that, I don't know. I tried for something and I missed. I'm not gonna lie, that was a swing and a miss.
1: No, we're thematically in sync.
0: <laughs> Alright. So one of the things I said in the introduction on this episode is uh for me at least, Dune is a movie that I came to uh, much later i think i don't i think i was probably 17 or 18 the first time I even watched it um so it, it was not a movie I, I connected with in my childhood and even at 17 or 18 i just was like this is a weird fucking movie so i'm I'm kind of curious how how you came to dune if you remember if your, your recollections of the first time you caught dune and what you thought of it
1: i had heard about it uh since i think i was like 13 or something but I'd never gotten around to watching it I think until I was about 17 or 18 um, but I like I definitely took to it um, again the bizarre imagery of it the incredible production design costume design set design um, the 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 trippy sort of Psych- almost psychedelic influence of it and um you know I, I think it was also the fact that it 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 felt like Star Wars for adults to me it felt very adult I'll agree with that I don't know if it felt the like Star Wars but it felt adult <laughs> <laughs> um and it, like just and I, th- I think also just the fact that it, it was so plot heavy and and story forward mm-hmm. I guess uh where it was like I remember just having the impression that wow you you have to really be paying attention to this movie at the at the time i didn't realize that that was kind of bad writing that that it's really just because the first 20 minutes of this movie is an exposition dump that is i think entirely unnecessary For sure um but that was the impression it had on me at the time and the other thing I, I liked about the movie was I it also felt like a little bit of a challenge because it is a slower film, you know. So so I I grew to to like that pacing, the the, the slower pacing of the movie. Interesting.
0: Uh, that, actually one of the, one of my criticisms of the, of the movie is its pacing. And and uh, you know we'll, we'll 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 get into that a little bit more later. I, I kind of want to give like a general up. Uh, a plot synopsis here for for our listening audience. I mean, uh, and and by all means, you know, add to this as, as you want. Um, but is, this is a, this is a story of Paul Atreides, the son of the, the Duke Leto Atreides, who is now preparing to move to Arrakis, A.K.A. Dune, to uh, deliver basically run take over the spice mining operations on Arrakis, and and spice is basically the fuel of the galaxy. It it, it drives everything. Uh, yes. It is the most powerful substance in existence, basically. Yes. Um, except there is a, a plot against House Atreides, uh, headed up by the padishah Emperor and House Harkonnen. And the the basically the plan is like we have to kill the Atreides because that guy is getting popular and powerful, and we don't like that. Right. And and the Harkonnens had been the prior rulers of Arrakis, and they had sort of subjugated the people there, they had uh, uh, just killed and squashed, and the Harkonnens are just basically the, the most evil people you can probably think of, right? They, anything horrible, the Harkonnens have done it, and will do it again.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're just dictatorial tyrants.
0: Yeah, so the plan is to kill everyone of House Atreides, except Paul escapes, his mother escapes, and they begin a rebellion on Arrakis with the natives who have been subjugated by the Harkonnens for so-so long. Yes. And that's kind of the basic of the plot, right? Did I skip anything?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it's it's the nuts and bolts of it. Right. You know, they're, they're,
0: I don't want uh, to overwhelm too much with with, with doing cuz yeah, it can be overwhelming.
1: Like, yeah, like there there's just there's there's so many layers there with yes. with the the universe that that Frank Herbert created, um in particular uh, sort sort of the the spice uh, and its effects on on people and how it uh, sort of changes consciousness and, and extends life and enough exposure to it will mutate you, which is what has happened to the navigators that control space travel. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's there, there's so many layers that, yeah, it can be overwhelming.
0: Yeah, oh, for sure. And uh, again, I dislike... Saying this out loud, but I mean, it is sort of a Jesus story, like you know, Paul sort of a bit. rising up to be like the Messiah of Dune of Arrakis, the, yeah, the sort of the chosen one, the the sleeper has awakened, all that good yeah. stuff.
1: Without change, something sleeps inside us, and seldom awakens. the sleeper must awaken yeah so um the story definitely does not shy away from from this being a messiah story it pretty much spells it out and i think it's something that uh frank herbert in in the book uh definitely wanted to address head on yeah
0: yeah for sure and i'm I'm going to put these out. I'm going to put my issues out there right now with, with the movie, all right? Yeah. <laughs> like, we're, getting, we're going to get into it. We're going to assume yeah. that people have seen Dune, and we're, we're going to talk about it. Like, this is not uh, a hype piece for you. Like, I don't want to convince you to watch it, Dune. I'm hoping you've seen it, and that we can have a discussion about it. I'm, that's what I'm hoping of the listeners. Maybe they'll hear our discussion and want to go see it, but, like, we're not going to pull any punches here. We're going to talk about Dune. So let me kind of get into my complaints. And you can... Uh, defend or agree with me as you see fit, okay? Okay. Like you said, the first 20 minutes, exposition dump. Don't care for it. An insane amount of voiceovers of going inside the character's head to hear their thoughts. Don't care for it. (laughs) (laughs) The entire first hour after that 20 minute exposition dump um, is a a fairly faithful uh, adaption of the the first uh, section of the book yes after that the movie seems to realize oh shit we have 300 pages to talk about in about an hour and it goes from zero to 60 so quickly like the everything in the in the last uh, 50 to 50ish to an hour minutes is is at a breakneck pace Yes. Uh, and and at that speed so many characters are shortchanged and again I these are things I wouldn't have noticed if I had not read the book. But I have read the book. Uh, so I know that the Fremen and Chiani and, and everyone else in that second half of the book gets screwed over because they got to get this movie wrapped up at two hours and 17 minutes. Yes. And that bothers me immensely. And something always sat weird with me, even watching before I read the book, I was like, wow, this, like, it's all over the place right now. I don't even really understand who the Fremen are. So, yeah, they, they get completely shortchanged in that second half of
1: the flick. Yeah, but, I mean I th- I think every everyone gets shortchanged in, in, in the second second half of the movie. It's not even the second half. Because um I mean, like timing wise, the really the first act ends at an hour and twenty minutes into this movie. Mm-hmm. They they at that point have I think fifty seven minutes left to tell acts two and three. Yeah, it's like, really fast. Yeah, like typical pacing for a a 2-hour movie would be 45 minutes for your first act, an hour for your second, and then 15 minutes for your third. You know, it, it, there's some wiggle room in there, but typically the meat of your story is the second act. And this movie just it, like yeah, you get to you get to an hour and 20 minutes in and it's like they hit the fast forward button. Um and I I think it's very unfortunate uh because I really like the first hour and 20 minutes of this movie, even though that, I, like, I mean, I completely agree with you that, that exposition for the first 20 minutes, just, it, it doesn't need to be there. Um, especially, I think the scene between the, you know, so, so the film begins, the very start of it is um, a narration by Virginia Madsen, as the princess uh, Yeah. yeah. And I actually like that quite a bit, and I, I I think it works. But then it goes into a scene between one of the navigators and the Patusha Emperor, and that scene just does not need to be there whatsoever. Okay. Um, so it, it I really think they they could have cut that out. But but that aside, I, I think the I, I think the first hour and twenty minutes of of the movie. Really work for me as as an adaptation. Um, Sorry, so okay, I, I lost my train of thought real quick there, but yes.
0: Aside from my criticisms, though, I, I do want to talk about the positives. Though, yeah. there there is something so visually interesting about this movie, something that draws your eye all the time. It is it is. I think it's Lynch's only only his third film, but it's shot yes. so wonderfully. There is again visual interesting, visually interesting things happening all the time. There is great use of of, of, of uh, miniatures and set pieces. Uh, you know, old school filmmaking stuff that I really really liked back mm-hmm. when I was a kid. That that's kind of gone by the wayside in favor of computer animation. Like, uh, if there's one thing that people know about Dune, it's sandworms. Yes. And the sandworm scenes in this movie look fucking great.
1: Yeah, the sandworms. I think are spot
0: on. Yeah, I mean, they look fantastic. the The scene where, uh, the, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn over the name again. The Shahi Alub or whatever. The the big one. that, Alub. Shahi That that uh, uh, Muhadib must summon to right. to, to sh- show that he's worthy. Um, that scene of of that of that sandworm coming out of the sand is awesome. Hmm. It's. I mean, there's like some really really cool stuff, and the movie has uh, the score is weird. But it hits its dramatic notes at the right point. Like it's it's interesting in that regards.
1: See, I I think the score is awesome. It's it's one of the things about the movie that
0: I love. But it's it's well okay. Listen, so when I say weird, I mean it's weird in the sense that the whole fucking movie's weird. So it works. Okay. All right. <laughs> like it's a weird movie. It's odd. It's sad and frowny in the desert. It's it's you know you compared it to Star Wars for adults, but it's like Jesus. Most adults would slit their wrists instead of watching this, you know living this life or being in this movie. <laughs>
1: Most adults are stupid.
0: <laughs> well, that's not... You're not entirely wrong on that statement, <laughs> sir. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it, for as many criticisms as I have about the movie, I'm completely fascinated when I watch it. There are just bizarre performances and, you know, over-the-top Harkonnen antics. And, and it, it's it's insane. It's kind of an insane movie, but, like, there's something yeah. delightful about this uh, this... I don't know, like harmonious chaos they've constructed on the on the on on the film here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if it's harmonious, but
0: <laughs> harmonious may be a stretch. But there's something something does pull it all together. Maybe not in all the right ways, and maybe not into a perfect fit. Yeah. but it does come together. Just you know, maybe not in the way we thought it would.
1: Yeah, I I I more or less agree. And um, uh, I, I was gonna say because you you had brought up like the thought voiceovers oh, um, can't stand them i love them <laughs> with a big caveat though so they're kind of one of those things that in in most cases like i think in about like 98 of 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 those thought voiceovers are completely unnecessary yeah again like i can't help but think of this would work just fine without that and people would understand what's going on there's maybe a few in there that that like yeah go ahead like like leave him in there um but again like I I, I do still kind of love it because that is that that was one of those things that when I first saw the, the movie I was like this is so weird <laughs> that, that, that like I, that it, it just it, it just pulled me in he's more concerned over his men than the spies I must admit against all better judgment I like this Duke Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah.
0: It's like, oh my god, like it only works cuz it's Max von Sydow saying it.
1: <laughs> I I love uh, when Jurgen Prochnov wakes up and uh, he 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 remembers Dean Stockwell's lips saying the tooth,
0: remember the tooth. <laughs> oh. That's that has always stood out to me. Can we talk about the epicness of Dean Stockwell's like pencil mustache? Oh, my goodness. When you see the Baron, remember the tooth,
1: the tooth, the tooth. The tooth. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking great. Uh, it, it, it,
0: it's, it's a really unique incredible cast the, the yeah, there's there's really a lot of a lot of the voiceovers in the beginning that annoy me are are when we're being introduced to paul and it's like everyone's thinking things about paul in their heads like this boy he has a destiny about him or you know some shit like that right. <laughs> it's just like oh god stop
1: <laughs> it, it's one of those things where you just one want to say show don't tell yes
0: yes and it's yeah. movies it's it, this is a movie like that's a great piece of, of information to have when i'm reading the book right i i don't need in the film like sh- again show me that or like let your actor act like let him emote with his face what he's thinking and, you yeah. know, let let the audience puzzle that out instead I'm, I'm kind of getting everything kind of like like served up on a silver platter that i didn't ask for
1: yeah that that being said, since we're on the topic, Kyle McLaughlin is Paul Atreides. Mm-hmm. Um, I love him in this. I think I think he's wonderful. He's I, he's I, a good actor in,
0: in just about anything. Even if it's a stupid movie, he's usually good in it.
1: <laughs> yes. And I think uh, no, I, I think he did a wonderful job with this. This was his first screen role it's so it's it's so funny you say that too because i mean i i
0: watched the movie and i see Kyle MacLachlan and i just i picture Kyle MacLachlan from like twin peaks or whatever like that but i mean right. yeah he was young maybe not the same age that paul is in the book but i mean he was insanely young and he like obviously Kyle McLaughlin, one of those actors who just doesn't really age a day <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, except for his gray hair. But. So
0: Yeah, right. But, I mean, he, you, like, yeah. you're like you not shocked. When Kyle MacLachlan shows up on screen, you're like, hey, it's Kyle MacLachlan. It doesn't matter. It's been 30, 40 years since you saw him in Dune. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> he has that, that Paul Rudd youthfulness about him. Okay. <laughs> Paul Rudd looks the same as he did when he showed up in Clueless in 1995 or whatever. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, he kind of does. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I like the cast. I think the only th- my Right, let's let's kind of shift. Actually, hold on. Let's let's kind of round, round out the. We're talking about the Atreides. So we got Kyle. You mentioned Jurgen Prock now as D- Duke Leto Atre- 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 Yeah, Duke Leto. Um, yeah. You have Jessica. I'm not familiar with the actors who played Jessica, but I I thought she was pretty spot on. Like when I, I read, think she's great. Yeah. When I read the book of of Dune, like that's who I thought of. I was like, yeah, she she's nailing this. This works. Yeah. You know, I I don't know who they have cast in the, the Denny New movie, but I think they have a lot to live up to.
1: <laughs> uh, is it Chastain? No, it's Rachel Ferguson. Rachel. Ferguson. She's in the uh, Mission Impossible movies, and um, she was in Doctor Sleep.
0: I was going to say, she was uh, the the hat girl, right?
1: Ro- Rose the Hat. Rose yeah. the Hat.
0: Okay, yeah, I knew that name. All right, cool. All right. Uh, uh, those... Yeah, Now is an interesting choice, right? Especially for, you know, the i don't know he's not really like the leading man but i mean lito atreides is a pretty sizable character
1: and you got the guy from das boot hell yeah <laughs> i i i love him anytime he shows up in something like, i in fact i think this was the movie that I actually bothered to learn the guy's name um but before that he would always kind of like show up and stuff yeah and I was like, "Oh, that guy! That guy's awesome." So I was more than happy to to see him in this. I, I think he's great. And I can't help but notice a little bit of similarities between his look and uh, what's his face, uh, Oscar Isaac in in the new, the upcoming.
0: Oh, dude. you know, we can definitely talk about that. I, I was going to try and like say that towards the end, but like since since okay. you brought it up, I mean, I I think Danny new is a big fan of this movie because like there's a lot of. Crossover with with a lot of the looks, yeah. You know, of the I characters, mean, I, the settings, the the costumes. I mean, like there's some similarities.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's yes, he, he is a fan to to at least some extent because um it, I I've heard that the design of the still suits from, in the new film is, is very much in, they, they were very much inspired by the still suits from, from this, this film. It, it was the first thing I noticed
0: when I saw the trailer for the new Dune film. I was like, I was like wow, those still suits look the same.
1: Yeah, just about.
0: Yeah. Uh, I should also mention that, uh, that with this movie, uh, for the longest time, I, Dune to me was, oh, this is that movie that uh, Jean-Luc Picard is in before I knew he was Jean-Luc Picard.
1: That's true. Only I I saw this after I would seen you know Star Trek. No, Next Generation, I did, did too. So,
0: I did too. But yeah. like whenever you'd read something about Star Trek: The Next Generation, it would refer to Patrick Stewart, the Shakespearean actor, also in Dune, in parentheses. And I was like, Dune, okay, I don't know what that is, but he's in it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then
0: you see him, and he has like the most epic. <laughs> The most epic Patrick Stewart moment I can think of is in this movie because it's when when the House of Trees is falling and they're they're gonna make the dash out of there and, and try to fight the Harkonens and he has a pug in his hands because yes. why not?
1: Yes, he is leading his troops <laughs> with a pug in battle and he has a pug in his hands, scream he is screaming, Long live House of Trees. It's ridiculous.
0: It's incredible. And
1: to to me it's 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 one of those one I I, I mean, I don't know. But it feels like one of those wonderful little David Lynch moments that he just stuck in there because he was like, "This is hilarious."
0: <laughs> and then I, I didn't know I hadn't noticed it. Uh, the you know the, the handful of times I had watched it prior to this this week in preparation for the show. But then you see that pug at the end of the movie too. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you do. Yeah.
0: And then there, speaking since we're talking about animals, we have to talk about the weird hairless cat scene <laughs> with the Harkonnens and <laughs> a. After Thithyr-Hovat is, is caught and captured by the House Harkonnen, and they're going to force him to serve them, and they, yes. they give him this weird, hairless cat in this strange harness, and they're like, you must take care of this cat and milk it for the antidote to the poison we've given you. Right.
1: Fucking weird, man. <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, this seems like the perfect chance to transition to the Harkonnens a little bit and, and talk about just, like, I mean they're they are like comically evil right I mean like that performance of vladimir harkonin is so completely outrageous and over the top
1: yes <laughs> and I really like it and appreciate it for that reason um
0: I mean so many great wonderful pieces of dialogue come out of harkonin's mouth uh, but like i don't I don't want to say like I don't take him seriously or anything like that but i mean it's, it's like I, gosh, I don't have the right word. It's not—it's not like ironic or anything like that. But I mean, he says these lines, and he's, he has that look, you know, with all of his all of his disgusting sores and the ooziness out of his face, and he's just like this giant puffy, bloated monster who floats around on a chair and spins around and cackles like a maniac. Yeah. But he has like these wonderful pieces of dialogue that are so good and juicy, and it's like, oh my god, what a fucking villain this guy is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think he he hams it up, and he 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 just nails it out out of the park. One thing I had forgotten, and again, like I said,
0: I, I feel like we're in spoiler territory anyway, so I'm just going to say it.
1: I mean, right? it's, it's almost 40 years old.
0: Right. So at the at the climax, when Paul's little sister, the scary baby child, who we have not talked about yet, but we will, okay. uses her own Gamjabar to, to uh, poison Vlad- the Baron, Vladimir Harkonnen, who's committed all these crimes against House Atreides and so that Paul can get his vengeance for his father. Yes. <laughs> and then she, like, pulls the plugs out of his chest and he, like, floats away like a crazy balloon at the side of it <laughs> into, like, the yeah. sandstorm. And he's yeah. just like, Woo! <laughs> I was... I fucking lost it. I was howling. I was thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and and
1: again, <laughs> one of those things, so, you know, um... I I had brought up that 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 I wanted to to talk about Dune, eighty four, uh, mainly because um, when uh, the, when the first trailer for the new one came out, it I was like oh yeah you know I really liked that that movie, uh, but I hadn't watched it in like twenty years. Um, but one one of those images that always remained with me was Baron Harkonnen, and. Floating away, spinning around like a balloon out, out the door. Just like, yeah, that was bizarre and ridiculous. Um,
0: I, it made me laugh so hard. Like And like you, I hadn't watched the flick in a while. I think I'd watched it maybe a year ago because I was, I was getting ready to read the book. I was like, oh, let me let me watch this movie, and maybe it'll get me like pumped up to read the book or something. And it, and it did. I, I got inspired to read the book after watching the movie again uh, because I was very curious about how different it would be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that heart scene, and then I was, I was, I like I said, I was laughing my brains out at that part, and I was like, "Well, that ain't how it worked in the book." But okay, whatever. <laughs>
1: well, remind me because you finished the book more recently than than I did. I because it what was it was Aaliyah who killed him. Yeah, right? but
0: I mean, he just kind of like falls to the floor dead.
1: Okay, all right. You, well, know, she's, you she's, know, it's it's a film. You got to make it more dramatic.
0: Though. Right, but I, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I mean, sure. I don't think I don't I don't think in the. Book Harkonnen had a heart plug for on
1: himself. I think he just had it on all of his
0: servants, so he could kill them whenever he wanted.
1: Not okay. I, see, here's the thing. I don't even remember that. I I was thinking the heart plug was a lynch thing.
0: I I thought for sure he had put that on like all of his slaves, but I, I could be
1: misremembering. Maybe, I, yeah, it's one that I, I don't really. There, there was
0: definitely like several was. moments watching the film and thinking about the book where I, where I was like, "Wait, was that in the book?" And I, you know, one of yeah. those points, I, I texted you. And I was like, "Wait, that didn't happen, did it?" Like, am I totally rem- not remembering this correctly?
1: Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Yeah,
0: we'll get we'll get to that. But uh, uh, um, I was going to talk about your boy, the Beast Raban, <laughs> he's just awful and a piece of shit. But I'm I'm really excited to see what Batista brings to the role. But uh, in this movie, right. I, he's just again he's just sort of like this comically evil character. Like he eats a dead cow's cheek and all kinds of weird stuff. And I mean, he's,
1: he's the guy. He's kind, of he running,
0: also... he's kind of running. He's kind of running for for the Baron. Yeah,
1: uh,
0: and he's the one who's sort of in that accelerated second and third act of the movie. He's the one going against uh, the fremen and, and Paul's yeah. rebellion. Uh, and and once the Fremen sort of take control of spice mining, uh, Rabban gets his head cut off and put on a on a spike on the floor. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't have much to say about him, uh, unless yeah, I mean, answer. I you
1: know I I think performance wise the the guy was was fine. You know he definitely like you said he's kind of comically evil. Uh, if if that's what he was brought on to do, I I think he did that fine. But but like we mentioned, you know, be, because the second act is, is so condensed, we don't really get to see much of of, of Beast and we don't get to see all of the, the horrors that he inflicted upon the Fremen.
0: Right. And, and e-
1: even in the book, I, I feel like, it, like it's talked about, but you don't you don't explicitly see it.
0: Right. Right. So. Because At that point, our characters have shifted away from what's going on. In 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 the, um, I've already forgotten the name of the city that
1: that.
0: The... Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. I was I was just gonna add as as a point of clarification in case we didn't say it earlier. Uh, I I think we did, but just to just to reiterate, the 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 Fremen are the native people of Arrakis. They are the ones that are being subjugated by House Harkonnen for so 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 many uh, decades and centuries. I think at this point, the the Harkonnens had run Arrakis for a very long time. Yes. So yeah, when we say the Fremen, that we are speaking of the native. Ara- native people of arrakis i guess yeah who have blue eyes in case we haven't mentioned that either
1: blue within blue
0: blue within blue because they are they are uh, they're addicted to the spice basically it's, it's part of them yes. and if they again they, this is something they don't talk about in the movies and until i read the book i don't think i'd ever heard this before from the film but yeah they and you can't leave dune once you have the blue eyes like if you go away from the spice it's over yeah yeah, you die, the
1: withdrawals will kill you.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I guess unless you, like, maybe you just, you did, like, a Dracula thing, and you just had, like, a coffin full of spice you slept in? I
1: yeah, mean, that my, inters- my understanding is that the the later books in the series involves a galactic crusade, so I imagine they're doing that. Yeah,
0: we haven't gotten there, so I have no, I, I don't even, yeah, I don't even want to speculate. on yeah, that. Yeah,
1: neither you nor I have read those, so.
0: <laughs> I'm a brave man, Mark, but, uh, I, I need to recover a little bit after after the first Dune, because I I have and I have also heard that every book in the series, especially the ones that Frank Herbert wrote, uh, get weirder and more out
1: there. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've he- I've heard some things about what Paul's children do.
0: Yeah, and I I have heard stories about uh, the the things that exist in the God Emperor of Dune books. So oh man, oh yeah, sand like sandworm love. That's all, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Sounds spectacular. Oh boy, what else do I want to talk about about this movie? Like, what else should we get into? Um, what about? Let's talk about the weirding way, Mark. <laughs> let's talk about um, weapons that are voice activated, not in, in the book, but very weird.
1: Well, now, so the weirding way, I took to mean the Benny Gesserit
0: way. Well, okay. So Paul describes the the new weapons as part of the weirding way. So okay. I don't know, I don't know if you want to elaborate more on the Weirding way at all, or if you, if you just want to focus on the on the unique weapons that that Paul arms the Fremen with for the rebellion against House Arkonen. Well, uh, okay. So
1: the the Weirding way kind of goes it, it, like it's just sort of the the Benny Jesuit training Witch- Benny Gesserit being sort of these. Uh, in the book, they call them witches, but. Bene Gesserits are just kind of a, a, a an almost religious order of women who have been uh, manipulating bloodlines down through the centuries in order to create this supreme being of the universe called the sox Hadrach, That may or may not be Paul, which if it is, is Paul, that is not part of their design. And In which they only talk about a
0: little bit in the movie. They do not get super deep on that.
1: Yeah. And, so, and, 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 and
0: Paul's mother, Jessica, is a member of the Bene Gesserit.
1: Yes, she Jessica is a Bene Gesserit and so she teaches she brings Paul up in the in the the ways of the Bene Gesserit which the Fremen kind of refer to as the uh, the weirding way which involves sort of uh, uh, there's a little bit of prescience to it but it's also just sort of like a, a kind of con- a control of the self to such an extent that uh, you can manipulate your voice to control other people, mm-hmm, essentially, mm-hmm. to kind of hypnotize them almost, like a, a sonic hypnosis, something along those lines. Um, so yeah, so, so, so there's that. that, that that's kind of the weirding way, if I understand it correctly. And then there are the weirding modules, yeah. which this is a creation of David Lynch. This was specifically for the movie uh, which are essentially these sonic guns that use the the, the user's harmonics to create a blast of energy mm-hmm. to, uh, to power to, their ray guns basically <laughs> it, it, to power their ray guns. but I think it's more of because uh, it, my I, I'm thinking it's because the of of the shields that mm-hmm. soldiers use in this. So I, I think it's a way to, to get around that. Um, you know, in, in the Dune universe, every soldier is equipped with a shield which will uh, deflect any sort of high-velocity projectile, which is why swords and knives are so prevalent in the Dune universe, uh, because, like, the slow blade can penetrate the shield. Um, and so I think... These weirdie modules as a way to kind of like get around, have like a high speed projectile that gets around that. I, I feel like that's what they were going for, but it's not really explained. No, it's not.
0: It, it felt like they just wanted to have guns in the movie at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: Yeah. But it, it leads to one of my favorite parts of the movie. And like I said, this is a, a fucking bonkers, crazy movie that like I, I have plenty of problems with, but there are so many things that I enjoy. I will I will probably continue to watch this movie off and on for an, until I'm dead because you get great lines like, "My name is a killing word," <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I just right. I just fucking love shit like that. It's so good. <laughs>
1: right.
0: <laughs> like, give me more of Paul saying weird shit like that, and I'm I'm in. I'm like, okay, cool. Your name is a yeah. killing word, bro. Let's do it. Let's talk about those personal shields for a moment. That
1: is probably one of the, like, the that's probably like the clunkiest effect in the movie, right? It is, and, and yet it's one of those things that you know. I think when I was younger, I just I, I just felt like, oh, it's very stylish, like it's very different, you <laughs> yeah. know. Like, but like, yeah, look at it now. It's like, well, that's not that's not very good. Yeah. But at the time, I felt like it was a stylistic choice to have it look kind of shitty. <laughs>
0: so <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they when when these guys when their shields power up, I mean, they look like they're in like these giant uh, like like boxes, and their arms are little rectangles, and you know, it's very geometric.
1: Yeah, they're like Tetris cubes. Yes, you
0: know? Tetris cubes. That is a perfect way to put that. My goodness. Um, <laughs> so in that first part of the movie, I, what's another aspect of it? Because, I mean, there's there's so much. The plots within plots. You know, we haven't really talked about Dr. Yui, who's going to betray House Atreides to Harkonnen, the way right. he's being manipulated. Uh, Dean Stockwell looking like Mr. Sinister. With his little diamond on his forehead, I, I
1: didn't <laughs> think about that, but yes, you're right.
0: Uh, um, uh, Dan, I, uh, Dean Stockwell, one of those television actors that I've loved for so long, so it was, it's funny to see him in this, and, and be the guy who's betraying. And like you said, the the, the, scene, the scene when Duke Lido wakes up and he remembers the instructions that Yui gave him about the tooth with the poison in it, so he could try and kill Harkonnen. Yes. And then when he when, uh, you know, uh, Lido's coming out of his his uh his drug induced sleep there. And he, he's not quite sure where the Baron is. He just knows he has to get the tooth. And so he's yeah. going shoot to the, shoot the poison into the Harkonnen's face. And <laughs> <laughs> the way that poison sprays it out of his mouth, my God, Mark.
1: <laughs> like it had some force to it. had
0: some force, like some real like velocity, like Superman you know, blowing out fire kind of velocity to it. Yes. Real impressive. I had no idea Leto was that powerful, respiratorily speaking.
1: Oh, I mean, was it Leto, or was it just part of the design of the tooth, that once it was ruptured, it would? there's a little device in there that shoots it with a lot of force?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. But it, <laughs> one of those just crazy scenes, that, the, like, the way... It, and again, it's, it's in the book, you know, the tooth and the whole thing, and Yui's trying to get revenge against the Harkons for killing his wife. So, like, he'll betray them because, like, that's what he's kind of conditioned to do, but he's going to betray the betrayers, and it's a whole thing. Like, yeah, this movie... And the book, in, in, in by itself, just plots within plots, conspiracies within conspiracies. Everyone has motivations. Everyone has an agenda. Much like the real world, Mark. It's all a metaphor.
1: I think Frank Herbert would agree with you.
0: One of the things I wanted to talk about, uh, because it was it was one of, one of my favorite sections of the book, and something I'm looking forward to seeing uh, done differently with Dannyville News movie, though. Apparently, according to Valneu, uh, th- he's hoping to get to make a sequel to this so he can tell the rest of the story. So I have no idea how much we're getting in the first movie. Okay. But one of my favorite characters in in the book, who is in the movie, and he's great in the movie, but uh, he uh, he suffered a lot of c- uh, cut scenes to make the movie to make the movie's theatrical run down to two hours mm-hmm. and seventeen minutes from like the three and a half hour four hour cut that initially uh, uh, Lynch provided. And I am of course talking about Stillgar. Yeah, uh, played by played by played by my boy Everett McGill. It's great. <laughs> I love that. I love that's one of those actors. I just remember him from like the eighties and nineties. He would just show up in like random action flicks, but he always was like this really neat presence.
1: Yeah, no, I I think he's great. And,
0: and so him as Stogar is, is is fun and very interesting, but he does not get much to do. No, unfortunately not. Yeah, I mean the Fremen are, are complete. I, I feel like watching this movie, we don't really even know much about the Fremen. Just they no. they are they have been oppressed. By the Harkonnens, and they're mad about it. Basically, I mean, we do know, we do find out that they have a that, and they they have been hiding successfully large reservoirs of water beneath the surface of Arrakis. So they yes. they you know they they are they are they have plans. They're doing things, but we never really get the the, the full sort of uh, uh we don't get Paul's proper indoctrination to their their culture to to them as a people nope. to him joining them. We don't get the fight with Jameis. We. Nope. Uh, Chiani, who becomes his wife, is is basically just there to like have kids with him in the movie. She doesn't really I, have any purpose.
1: I I I, th- I think the character and 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 actor that gets the biggest raw deal in this movie is is the Chiani Sean Young. Young,
0: yeah, Shawn Young character.
1: Like, yeah, just just completely there to. I you know, she's just kind of a pretty face. Yeah, I uh, mean, it's, it's very 80s. It's like there to support love interest.
0: Yeah, it's there to support her man. That's kind of yeah. her role in this. And uh, in the book, she has a, again a huge role, much yeah. much more interesting character, very dynamic. uh yeah. You know, opinionated, thoughtful, all, all those, all these wonderful qualities about her, uh, completely thrown out the window. And you know, I, I I could I can't attest to what was in the in the longer cuts of the film because I have not seen those and they are not as easily available as they used to be. No. um so I have no idea what ended up on the cutting room floor for her. But that that's one of my biggest disappointments about this flick is like that that whole part of the story
1: is just thrown out. So so my understanding is that there 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 was there's roughly 5 hours of footage for this movie that was shot. You know, it wasn't intended that the movie was going to be 5 hours, but about 5 hours of footage was shot. And I guess, like, the roughest of the rough cuts was about four and a half hours long, Mm -hmm. which they all knew would need to be pared down. Right. Um, But, yeah, my my understanding is, and you can watch, there are some deleted scenes on on YouTube that you can find, because I think there was a special edition DVD released in, like, the early 2000s that had both the David Lynch version and the, at least one, I, I think there were multiple TV edits, there was at least one of them on there um But yeah, th- there's a lot of stuff that was shot with the Fremen. The second act of that novel that was removed from the movie. It 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 is very unfortunate that um, that the it wasn't even the studio. It, it was Universal that insisted the movie be. Two hours, and the movie is two hours and twenty minutes, and that was you know that was David Lynch fighting tooth and nail to get as much into the film as he could.
0: yeah, well, and going back to to David Lynch you know what we said earlier about him being independent, this is like the only movie in his his uh, retinue that that he didn't have final cut on
1: right and, and it is it is one of those things that he yeah, he just vowed after this movie never again.
0: Yeah, and I was gonna say that I was gonna say that for the end of the end of the conversation, but I mean we're we're kind of on it right now, so let's let's just bring yeah. it up. Like 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 David Lynch does not enjoy talking about this movie. He does not enjoy talking about what went on with production, what went on behind the scenes. He does not enjoy talking about the interactions with the studio and kind of how this came to be. Like he does not. It it, it is something that still pains him, which is um which says a lot about like how much he uh, had invested in this and how it still hurts him to this day. I think that's um I don't know. It's kind of sad.
1: Yeah, I mean a little bit. I you know, I think I think David Lynch though to his credit has always been uh very classy about it. Like he's never he's never blamed anyone right. specifically. Right. Uh you know, he doesn't blame Dino De Laurentis. He always says that uh, you know, he he understood where where De Laurentiis was, was, was coming from in that uh you know, Universal was insisting on on a two hour cut of the movie, um, but yeah, he he had a lot. You know, this was three years of his life, and you know, he put a lot into it. And it just it, it just is not the movie that that he wanted to make. Um, and it yeah, it affected him so much that and I've I've heard this. I, I don't know. I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard that. Universal has since gone back to David Lynch and asked him, like, hey, would you like to put together a, a director's cut for the movie? And he won't even go back to it. Yeah. He's just, no, I'm I'm done with it.
0: Yeah, I, I've heard that too. Um and and so all right, I I w I I kinda wanna pause for a moment on on talking about the movie itself because I, I need you I need you to plumb the depths of your memory here. Oh. Because I swear to God that we at one point had the the extended cut of this movie on vhs i i, I have a like a recollection of it being in like a, a like a gold clamshell case that we had picked up from like suncoast or something
1: if one of us had that it was you and i never saw it i just know i had a widescreen version of the theatrical cut
0: yeah i i i, I, I have a very distinct memory of of watching dune as like a mini series because like the cut that i had from suncoast was like four hours long basically so i think i watched it over two days or something
1: yeah um i'm also like i'll I'll look up deleted scenes and stuff like that um but i i kind of almost don't even want to to watch those versions of the movie because they they were made without david lynch's approval right and i'm you know, I I just side with David Lynch in that argument just like saying fuck you. Yeah, you know? like no, you should have given me final cut to begin with. They
0: but. they have a uh, they have a new a new uh, edition of the of the film coming out on like Blu Ray in 4K or whatever at the end of yeah. at, at the end of the month. And I believe it has something like 15 or 16 deleted scenes on it. So you'll be able to watch yeah. it that way for any fans who want to get out there or anyone who decides to check the movie out that way. You'll be able to check out the scenes.
1: Well, I'll, I'll also say, and I, I, I don't remember the website or the name of the, the particular cut, but um, it was brought to my attention that there, there is a fan edit of the movie if you're, if you're into that kind of thing um, that has kind of, like, put in a lot of those, those scenes and um, people who, who, are, who are fans of the Lynch film We'll say that this one particular fan edit is kind of the definitive version of it. Okay. Uh, so I'll I'll look into that and I'll see if I can get you the the information on that. Maybe you can put it in the show notes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. You, if we, want.
0: No, we could definitely do that. That'd be that's a, I think that's a really good idea. Um, uh, like, like, like getting back into the movie, though, like I said, I'm I'm bummed out that uh, like I said, we we talked about it. The, the second act and the third act. Completely condensed. A lot of characters kind of get get hosed over. Uh, Stilgar, Chiani. uh, And and again, you you miss a lot of Paul's development too because the movie hits fast forward and you get like this voiceover thing. Like once Paul kind of takes control of of the Fremen armies, you know, and then you get like the. And for two years, Paul (laughs) harassed the forces of the Harkonnen family and dried up spice, you know, and, 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 and so it. You, you, you have the narration that forces the confrontation that is the third act of the film. Yeah. Um, so I, we, we have to talk about the third act of the film. We, we've talked a little bit about it. We have not talked about Paul's creepy little sister. Yes. <laughs> Aaliyah, played by Alicia Witt, who you can see in all kinds of stuff. Like, she, apparently, I had no idea she was a child star, but yeah. No,
1: me neither.
0: Apparently, she's been working hard since 1984, and you can find her in Justified and, and all kinds of stuff. She's been everywhere. Right. Uh, great actors. I really enjoy her work, uh, but yeah, she's the little creepy baby kid, Aaliyah, who has prescience. She is. Uh, uh, she knows all that the the grandmother, the great mother of the of the Bene Gesserit knows. So she's, Reverend mother. Reverend mother. Thank you. Uh, uh, so,
1: she's very creepy. She's a creepy kid. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. Again, one of those things that when I watched this when I was younger, I was like. I love this. This is so fucking weird. It's so fucking <laughs> weird. And you know, we talked a little
0: bit about the weirding way and and how like, like Paul and and Jessica can use their voices to control people, and they and it, it it changes their voice and makes them creepy. But this little kid, she talks like this all the time, and it's super fucking scary.
1: Yeah, it's weird. She has one of those. <laughs> the weird kind of way is weird. <laughs> little little kid lisps, but sounds like she's whispering demented things to you it's
0: it's a demonic possession of of the child almost it's like the the haunting of emily rose or something
1: yeah a little bit a little bit
0: (laughs) but i i have come out on this podcast i have said it multiple times creepy kids creep me out i don't care for them (laughs) and the way this one in dune might be the creepiest of all the kids well i I, you know
1: Look, I think that's she to has, his credit. Has I think blue, she should be. She
0: has the blue eyes. She's got like the Bene Gesserit like like outfit on with like the giant hat and the black robes and the whole thing. And
1: she, she's bald. She's running. And, yeah, she's
0: running out with her Gamjebar and her pinky, killing Baron Harkonnen.
1: Yeah, she's got her sis knife and her sis
0: knife in the other hand. Yeah, she's a yeah. she's a she's a terror. To she's the, a monster to House Harkonnen.
1: But and I mean again, to to the film's credit, you know, you're getting creeped out by this kid. The Fremen were creeped out by this kid. No one liked her. <laughs> no, and they
0: do a really good job in the book of, of talking about that, about how the, yeah the Fremen are completely unsettled by this child who talks like an adult and has a complete prescience and awareness and and all all, all the things uh, that a person might have in, uh, at a further stage of evolution. This kid has like she's like the first X Men basically. Like Professor X would be delighted to have her join the team. Uh, I mean, he's in the movie. That's, well, the fuck, you're right. God <laughs> damn it! He found the Phoenix Force, and it was in her. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> All right, so we are talking about the third act, uh, and and this is, I don't I don't want to call it a shortcoming, but one of the things, I I like the book. I enjoyed the book. I've I, I enjoyed the movie, and um, this is an aspect of the movie that I really like, but to me, it is a bit of a of of, of a misstep because, the book plays this out for a really really long time. The movie teases us for a really, really long time. I am, of course, talking about the inevitable confrontation with Feyd Ratha, Sting himself, mm-hmm. looking mighty fine in all that body armor, yeah, screaming at the top of his lungs, "I will kill him!" Yeah, so good. Uh, but I, I, it bums me out that that it's, it's, these characters don't even meet each other, each other until the third act. <laughs> And right. I feel like that's a bit of a letdown, man. How do you think about that? How do you process that? What do you, what, what do you, what do you get
1: out of it? I mean, I kind of partly agree. I, I see where you're coming from. But I also think that both of them are aware of each other. Mm-hmm. And so there there is this, I think, unspoken tension between the two characters I think it. I think it comes off in the movie, and I think it comes off in the book, and I, I find it. I, um, I, I find it quite satisfying.
0: It's a. It's a good confrontation when they finally have it. I think in the book. I'll be, I, I don't want to d- dive too deeply into the book because we're trying to stay in the movie here, but I, I do think in the book it plays out a little bit more successfully because we understand Feyd's character better because he's a Harkonnen who's just as corrupt and twisted as the others uh but he uh, you know he's tried to kill the baron a couple times in the book he's tried to That's take, right. you know advance his station we, we we see that he's kind of clever and, and crafty and, and devious and all these things that the Harkonnens represent um but he's not to the baron's level yet because the baron detects all these things is able to anticipate all these things from his nephew so when you when you get the confrontation and you 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 you, you know that is going to cheat. Because, you know, you you get to see that ace card that he has in an earlier scene in the book. Yes. And, again, this I, I don't know what's cut out of the longer versions of the movie. I, I, I think Fade's, again, much like the, a lot of the characters in the second and third act, Fade kind of gets done a little dirty, too. Because we, we don't really get to see that part of him. He's just kind of like the Harkon he's, he's, he's kind of Baron Harkonnen's favorite nephew. And that's right. all we really get to see him as.
1: Yeah, and... Uh i've seen a little bit of the deleted scenes from from the movie and i haven't seen anything extra with with fade so i i don't think that was shot and i agree i think that is unfortunate that we don't yeah we don't really get to build him up as a a physical threat to paul um really he's just kind of presented as this the, the sadistic of the most sadistic of the sadistic nephews to to the baron mm-hmm.
0: yeah um, so i i i and i as far as the movie goes i do like them fighting i like sting and, and um a comic lock and going at each other it's uh, watching it this t- most recent time i was like i was a little surprised how slow the battle was <laughs> and i was like clearly sting not known for his fight choreography he maybe he had to, you know <laughs> the guy don't get me wrong the guy's in shape he looks great in the part but like him and Kyle going at each other like the the, the moves are very telegraphed
1: yeah and you know I, I I did like the slowness of it because it was kind of a uh a little more grappling I guess going on yeah I'm any real grapplers out there would probably watch this and laugh at it but <laughs> you, you know I I appreciated what they were kind of going for um but for a movie that it you know it, it had a big budget, it also it, it also didn't have enough budget yeah um, and and so yeah, I think they they did have to skimp on some things and probably you know when you have one physical fight in the movie, like uh, unfortunately at, at, the, at, at the time and it, it because of all the world-building involved, I think they probably ended up, you know, cutting back
0: well, and, and on, think, on that. And I think also because uh, we, we don't get to see so much of, of Paul's, the kind of like the critical part of Paul's development once he's yeah. with the Fremen. You know, uh, one thing, if you're, you know, again, the, Paul's story is very Jesus-like. It's very Neo-like, if, if you want to compare yeah. it to The Matrix, something that probably more people have seen than Dune. <laughs> yes. But the one knock you can make about Paul is, his physical abilities, that's kind of where he's most vulnerable. So, you know, we've seen, or at least in the book, we've read of Fayyad being in all these physical confrontations, you know, in this sort of like these gladiatorial tournaments and things like that. So physically speaking, we, I think, again, we're a little short-changed in the, in, the, in the final film because the book builds it better. It's like, like Fayyad is the superior combatant in a lot of senses. And Paul's strength comes from all these things that he can't use in the fight. You know, like he has like these Jesus-like powers, the, the weirding way and, and prescience and all this stuff. But now he has to get in there and go mano a mano
1: with a super fit sting. Yeah, but, you know, he's, he's got honor and integrity.
0: No, and again, and uh, we, we do see Paul get physical. But again, because we don't get to fight with Jameis... Right. That's another key part of Paul's development that we don't get to see, yeah. which
1: I think is unfortunate in the long run. Yeah, I man. Again, yeah. I,
0: I'm ta- I'm coming. I am it, unfortunately coming from a place of having read the book.
1: Yeah, and it, you know, it, it's also implied in the novel that that um, you know Paul was involved in all sorts of battles as well. Exactly.
0: So. so, so another thing that I guess I would have liked to just see a little bit more developed. You know, maybe maybe Denny's movie will do that. I don't know. But I, I, I like the way it, it – it, I like how it sort of boils down. Like, it's this big galactic confrontation, this big galactic thing bringing down empires and crashing houses of the empires. And it comes down to a knife fight. And I kind of right. dig that. I think that's kind of a fun, unique way to end your movie. Um, what I didn't like – and I, I'm going to unfortunately tie it back into the book a little bit here. I didn't like Paul not exerting himself over the emperor – and basically declaring himself the emperor didn't okay. like that. I didn't like the. Uh, I didn't like how the the princess Erlan is useless in this movie. She does nothing except at the beginning during the expo expo dump. I mean, she kind
1: of does nothing in the book, right?
0: Right, but at least she ha- she's going to be a figurehead at, at, at a point. Like you understand when you see her in the final in the final pages of the book. You and I talk about this on the, on the book version of the podcast that'll come out the same week as this episode. Like, her role makes sense by the end of the book. <laughs> yes. And it doesn't in the movie. Well,
1: I, I feel like an audience member can kind of put two and two together and All be right, like, maybe. oh, that's why she's the narrator. Right, maybe, 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 maybe.
0: Yeah. Uh, but then we get the, the very, the the thing that David Lynch did that apparently Frank, the one thing Frank Herbert was like, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> and that is that is Paul using his new, Jesus-like abilities to make it rain on Arrakis, to make it rain on Dune, uh, and that was that was the moment when I texted you and I was like, wait, that didn't happen in the book, right? <laughs> like, that's weird, right? And you're like, yeah, uh, yeah that, that was like, that's the thing. That's that's the, yeah. that's the thing that they don't like to talk about.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know about that. I, you know, it, the interviews I've listened to with Frank Herbert, are, like he's he's very happy, or oh, he no, was no, he's he was very happy film. with this movie yeah. overall. And um, yeah, a, a big criticism of, of of Paul making it rain is that it kind of it it undercuts the fact that that the Fremen were storing all of this water right. because because of the the Imperial ecologist kinds, they had developed this plan to uh, make Arrakis more livable. Yeah, they, they were they were they
0: were working on terraforming the planet.
1: Yeah, exactly. Another like another, another slow... plot cut
0: out of the movie completely.
1: Yeah, like a slow, natural terraforming where they would make it more hospitable, but of course still keep their deserts because they themselves know how important the spice is and they can't live without the spice. Yeah, it, it, it undercuts that aspect of, of the story, which the movie does at least hint at. Um, I I feel like it's just one of those things where they just felt like they didn't know if they were going to be able to make sequels, and I think probably by that point they were thinking they weren't. So, yeah, just just make it rain on I mean, Arrakis. the
0: thing The things I have read, or that I read in leading up to this episode, was that that Lynch was con- had a contract for two and three. That they, oh, did he? They, that they okay. had, had hope, right. and that, that he was working on the script for two uh, when when the theatrical numbers started to come in. Okay, and they're like, yeah, it's not happening.
1: Okay, all
0: right. Well. So, which you know, maybe that's another reason why why uh, uh, he has the feelings that he has about the movie is because like maybe maybe he was invested in in telling a telling a trilogy, or you know, I don't know. I have no idea for sure, but that that is something I read. I, again, that is from the internet. That is not from Frank Herbert's biography or anything or, or from a David Lynch interview that I saw. so i can't I can't, sure. I can't uh, speak to his veracity a hundred percent, but it's potentially true. <laughs>
1: okay. No, yeah, I mean that's the first I've heard of it. So,
0: yeah, so so yeah, the movie ends on kind of a weird note. Like you said, it kind of undercuts a lot of the stuff that was set up in the book. A lot of stuff that Keane's uh, the Keane's character talks about. Keane's who's, who's an interesting character in the books. Um, he he gets more face time than a lot of other actors in the movie do for theirs, but it's kind of unceremon- unceremoniously dumped. Uh, right, and, and and you know it's barely even mentioned that he is the, the father of Johnny, who will be yes. in Paul's wife.
1: I don't think it's mentioned at all.
0: I mean when she introduces herself she says like you know daughter of Liette and I think you're supposed to connect those dots.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um but yeah that's kind of, that's kind of like the only mention of it. So I mean that that's kind of dune, right? Like that's dune 1984 in a nutshell basically. You know, we we've we've talked we've spoken very critically of it, but I don't I don't want to underscore the level of enjoyment we get when we watch it too. There is there is fun performances here. There is crazy weird things there's this like weird subversive sexuality in certain scenes where you're like is that a talking vagina
1: are you referring to the navigators i sure am (laughs) i just thought of it as like a brain sphincter (laughs) all right is that a brain sphincter i mean these are the questions
0: that one might ponder while you watch dune you're like what the fuck am i looking at
1: I mean, there's gas that comes out of it, and it shoots bolts of energy. I'm pretty sure that
0: when they are doing the uh, the the, I, they don't call it hyperspace. Whatever the space travel method uh, method is, I, uh, folding space. Yeah, it, I mean, I'm pretty sure they put like jizz on a lens, and that's what that is. Uh, like there's some willage really,
1: <laughs> yeah. Like you know, like when you see
0: semen under a microscope. You know. What movie
1: did you watch? Lynch
0: jerking off on a on a lens? Wow. <laughs> to make a movie is like here's wow. a weird here's a weird effect semen, boom. Pretty I sure. You. <laughs> he, he's like I got something ILM can't come up with semen. <laughs> Let's see him do this on a computer. Boom. <laughs> There, like I said, there's some weird stuff in this movie that you're like, oh, no, hey, for is, sure. Is that and I, again, and like sometimes your mind goes a place you're like, wait a second, is that what I, I, I think it's a uh, hmm, is that hmm, ponderous, ponderous. See, I, you
1: know, I, you know, since we're on it, we can talk about that. Like this, the the movie. Does what the book does not do. The, the 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 book does not go into how the nav one you never see the actual space navigators and their horrible mutations. The movie just shows it right yeah, they're, from they're that, only alluded to in the book. Yeah, yeah. That that the movie shows it right from that that opening s- first scene it's that the, I talked about. that doesn't need to be there. First
0: scene of the movie and finish your thought because I I want to add on to that.
1: Yeah, but um but 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 the movie the book also only hints at how the navigators fold space to 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 move these massive fleets to 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 move from one planet to the next the movie it goes several steps further and, and shows some kind of weird process that the navigators who look like just floating turd brains with sphincters <laughs> for mouths um how, how they kind of how how they fold space and they they shoot this weird energy into what looks like a of a, a three or four dimensional map of the cosmos or something like that and then they they somehow mentally bridge it and by like we- and like by... that's what I'm interpreting when I see it. Like, okay, all right, that, like that's something. And by weird know? and
0: by weird energy, you mean jizz. You
1: mean <laughs> jizz. I don't.
0: So yeah, we're okay. So let's rewind this movie for a, for a hot second. Let's get back to that, that opening segment with the Padishah Emperor, and and the Navigator. I to me, at least I I am a fan, more often than not, of 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 movies that kind of like just. Throw you into the deep end and and, and uh, you know force the audience to kind of figure it out, right? Like, okay, we're going all in, we're going all in, we're going all in. To me, that opening sequence is almost too much deep end, because you're just like, wait, like, you're just like, what is what is what is happening on the screen? What is going on here? What am I looking at? Why is that thing in a tank? Why is it talking? Why is this guy saying words but they don't match up with what's coming out of the speaker thing? It, 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 there's like, too many questions. At the beginning of this flick, for, for, for someone who's not familiar with Dune, you either find that
1: charming or you don't. <laughs> I can see that, but I I think for me, and especially me, when I was like seventeen or eighteen, I like that just like hooked me. I was like, okay, oh yeah, give me more, <laughs> more yeah, of that. I please. mean,
0: no, you're not wrong. I mean, but like for for a long time, I mean, and since like my first viewing as as in my late teens, early twenties, whatever it turned out to be, uh, I mean, Dune was like this, just like with this weird curiosity. It yeah. was like this, like this is bizarre. This is you strange. Know, I don't understand I, Dune, but there's something but I, about Dune that I like.
1: And I think that stuff, though, it, it's just one of those things. It, it, it's one of those reasons why you go back and you watch, you rewatch. I, I mean, you rewatch David Lynch films if, if you are a fan. You rewatch them for a lot of reasons, but a lot of the time, it, it's because you know you are looking for uh, some kind of different interpretation of them and I feel like that's one of those things like if, if you don't want to read the book you can go back and rewatch this movie and kind of form your own sort of opinions about what these things mean and what they represent and to me this is kind of part of the fun you know um, you want a movie that kind of activates your your imagination so that you you do rewatch it several times and form Different opinions about what different things mean, as opposed to having just everything spelled out for you.
0: No, I mean that that totally makes sense too. And 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 again, like I I, I know I'm I'm probably coming across as being like hyper critical of the movie, but I say that I say that in, in sort of like deference of of yeah. my level of enjoyment when I watch this movie. Like there's just something about it that I'm always interested in seeing, like whether it's like a unique performance or the way a scene is shot. Or just like again, rad, You know the, the cool use of miniatures to bring the the sandworms to life. Like there's right. some really good stuff in this flick. Uh, the yeah. costumes are interesting, not always great. The still suits are probably the best part. Like some of the military yeah. costumes that that like House of Trades wears, I think, are stupid looking. They're very like, I don't know, Red <laughs> Army kind of shit.
1: I mean, I mean the 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 Harkonnen army basically wears like, trash bag hazmat suits with green visors. I
0: read that those were actually uh, recycled body bags. Oh, I did, yeah, I heard that, too. Yeah, okay. but they were recycled body bags, that. and they didn't tell anyone that they were recycled body bags until after the movie was made. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, my understanding is, like, they did They did do, like, a thorough cleansing of them, but they just... Sure. Yeah, they did not you, tell you, anyone. Yeah,
0: you don't want people... Even if you... Oh, no, I swear. Like, we bathed it in pu- liquid fire to, to yeah. purify it, People are like, no, there's a dead guy in there. I'm good.
1: Thanks. I don't want to wear that. Thank you.
0: Uh, <laughs> another another
1: thing. How about like uh, a lot of the Harkonnen troopers, they had like reverse mohawks.
0: Yes. That was like <laughs> some kind of weird like initiate sort of thing, you know, like, oh, I'm a yeah. House Harkonnen and I'm a nobody. So I get this weird stripe down this, you know, cut out of the center of my hair.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: very, like, yes. Okay. Very sure. bizarre. Very bizarre look for sure. I mean, it it it's funny because like the movie takes place like what like a couple thousand years in, in humanity's future, but it has like this very eighties <laughs> look to it in some senses.
1: I I think it's actually like I think it's like twenty thousand years yeah, into like the, year the future.
0: Ten thousand one hundred ninety one or something like that. I think.
1: Yes, but that's not. That's that's from the and we talked about this in our in the our, book podcast via the book. But that's that date is from the Butlerian Jihad, which is ten thousand years from our future, right? From so, our present. Yeah, I mean.
0: like a really long time. Yes, A really long time in humanity's future. Yes, you know, I mean, we, we didn't, you know, we we only sort of hinted at some of the a lot of the larger themes that the book gets into with the movie. Uh, I I did want to ask you uh, this a little this is adjacent to our topic, but I, I was curious if you ever watched any of the sci-fi channel adaptations that they made because they did, they did three. I was...
1: No, I, I never did. I think I just, it, it just looked so kind of cheap and run down that I just never, never bothered. I do think Vittorio Storaro uh, did the cinematography on, on one of them. I might be wrong about that, but I, I remember hearing that he did, which he is a, classic cinematographers excellent but so maybe that
0: yeah i i have a curiosity to maybe try and revisit them i remember trying to watch the first one and just not getting into it i don't i don't well something about the performances i was not i wasn't really buying into i yeah. the, like there was you know obviously it's sci-fi channel so you can't get like a big you know movie cast necessarily and maybe maybe i was just being biased cuz i was like i don't know who these actors are they're terrible <laughs> I, th- I think James McAvoy shows up in more. Well, he? I think McAvoy is in like I think he's in like the sequel or the third one. Yeah, but I uh, by that point I was I was out. I would I didn't bother to check that out.
1: Yeah, I didn't think they looked very good. So <laughs> I, I never bothered.
0: I'm trying to think if there's any more aspects of the film that I want to talk about before we before we wrap it up. I, I mean, I feel like we kind of we kind of hit just about everything. Like our you know what we like, what we don't like. I mean, we were critical, but I think we I think we're doing a decent job of telling people how much we like it too.
1: I hope so. I, I mean, I like, I, it's, it's, it's such a hard movie to kind of pin down because it's like, you know, we talked about all the problems with, with, with the pacing and the story and the fact that it, it's, it's very abbreviated in the second, second and third acts and, and, and much to, to the film's detriment. But it's like there are so many aspects to it that are great, like the like the the production design and the set design and the costumes, and and a lot of the actors I, I think are are wonderful in in the roles. So it's like, yeah, unfortunately the 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 sum is not as good as the parts. You know, it's like I don't want to call it a bad movie
0: no i but, it's, but not it's a hard bad to say movie.
1: it's it's also hard to say though that that it's a good movie
0: yeah i I think that's very I think that's very very fair um one more thing I want to ask you real quickly because uh, uh, I need, you might need to just need to clarify this for me a little bit, but like they really don't explain much about the Sardaukar in this, do they like they they're mm-hmm. mentioned but they they don't imply that they're part of the Harkonnen army when they're killing house Atreides, right like that's not part of the story
1: in only this. in that opening. Uh, uh, exposition dump. The, yeah. the emperor tells the navigator that he has assigned five legions of his Sardacar warriors to the Harkonnens. Yeah. And, and that's it. That's so, that's yeah. the only time you hear that word.
0: So yeah, you never you never get to hear about the, the great warriors of the Empire, and then you never get to hear about how the Fremen are besting them in in combat. So that's just another example of 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 uh, again that that is accelerated second and third act and. The movie, you know, unfortunately, being a victim of, of runtime, you know, you, this is well before the day of, you know, three and a half hour Lord of the Rings movies, right? And and that the book, you know, we talk about it in the, on the book podcast. It is a very dense book. It is a book that is, um, you know, if you're going to do a faithful adaptation, it's going to have to be long. And, <laughs> and I think the I think the rumor with, with Denny's movie is that it's the the movie is only like the first half of the book.
1: Yeah, that's what I've heard. I, I, but I also feel like when I watch the trailer, I feel like the images that we're seeing goes well into the the second half. But maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm just misinterpreting what I'm seeing.
0: Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know for sure. I mean, we're I guess we will have to wait until like what October or November to find out. So,
1: yeah, I I also don't. It'll it'll be interesting to see because I also don't think the middle of the book has like a natural stopping point.
0: No, my my assumption would be <laughs> I, I I shouldn't make it an assumption, but if I were to guess, it would be shortly after Paul joins the Fremen is when you sort of stop.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my thought too.
0: But I mean, again, that's weird too because I mean, we've seen that Zendaya's in this movie, she's Chani. So, I you know, yeah. I don't know. That, we we'll, we will have to wait and see, Mark, and then we will have to do another podcast about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess, kind of in closing, I, uh, you know, I was I was gonna say earlier, uh, you know, because we we have pointed out some of the movie's shortcomings, some of our our own personal criticisms of it, uh, but that that is no way indicative of the fact that we enjoy this movie. We we there's a lot that we like about it. I think I think you kind of summed it up pr- pretty well when you're like. I forget exactly what you said, <laughs> but you're like it's it's good, but it's not it's not bad, but it's not good, but it's this thing that you kind of yeah. can't take your eyes off of. That's some, right. there's something visually interesting about it, and and that's very much how I feel about it. It's 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 just like this this weird little curiosity that I, I I enjoy, and there's such fun dialogue to yell at your friends. <laughs> you <know? laughs> You know, I mean, when's the last time you just went up to one of your friends and and told him how much you uh, love all, you know, your disease is so lovingly careful? Never. Never, never? Oh, you should should really go up to your friends and say that. It's a
1: good one. I just shout the sleeper has awakened. Father!
0: Father, the sleeper has awakened! So good. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's great stuff in this flick. And, And, I mean... You know, uh, uh, you know all all of, like Paul's little mantras. You know that like fear is the mind killer. You know stuff like that. Like so good. Yeah. There's so much good stuff in this flick. It, it's it's a weird, odd, bizarre movie.
1: But yeah, it, it I, has
0: I, such wonderful things about it.
1: Yeah, I do. I do wish the fear is the mind killer mantra got a little more play in in this because you really only hear it when he has his hand in the uh, in the the testing box. Yeah. Right? The pain box or whatever it's called. Yeah. The pain box. Yeah. yeah um, we didn't talk about the
0: pain box. Basically when he's being tested to see if he's a human or an animal.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. People have seen that in the trailer for the new one. Right. But, and
0: and we, yeah. we, we actually do a pretty thorough covering of that scene in, in the book review. <laughs>
1: I don't remember, but sure.
0: Oh, actually, you know what? I think on the book review, I just I, I play, I basically just play the audio clip from the oh okay. from the film. <laughs> okay, right. So, so that'll give you like a big uh, big idea of what we're what we're getting at with the pain box.
1: Yeah, but, um, but you
0: learn fun words like Gamjabar and Quitsack Hatarak. I mean, this movie's got fun shit in it.
1: Yeah. Uh, one, the only thing I, that I can think of that we didn't mention that I, I think deserves um, a kind. of recognition is uh is Brad Dorif as as Piter DeBrees
0: yes you're you're 100% right but he's great I, I read his I read him off in the casting but yeah he's one of the favorite my favorite parts of the movie his performance is so again another interesting performance that you're just like that's 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 Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true yeah it is Wormtongue <laughs> yeah.
0: a really a really great character actor who who, who um uh, does a nice job with this part I, w- I wish they gave him a little bit more meat to play with but you know yeah. i understand why they didn't like uh, e- even even though that first act is is very faithful to the book i mean there's still a lot of stuff they had to work around to, to get that story told and and yeah some so so some stuff had to end up in the chopping block but I, yeah peter de is one of those characters that you're just you kind of just you kind of just can't help but watch yeah and, and that's the kind of actor brad dorff is so i mean it yeah. makes total sense
1: and his uh his death
0: scene is is really wonderful. Well, yeah, because I mean he gets hit full in the face with super breath from
1: Duke Lido Atreides. He gets hit with the super breath from from Lido, and uh, it it's like he it's like he rises into frame like <laughs> like Nosferatu coming out of his coffin and just falls over like a dead cockroach or something. Well, <laughs> and, then, and then you get, I get another like over the top
0: hammed up performance from from uh vladimir Harkonin was like am i alive
1: am i alive that's <laughs> oh, great you know because uh, like i there is a scene kind of like that in the book and i was like yeah I, awesome
0: no again it's it's again I, I don't mean it as a criticism or a knock it's just it, yeah. it, it's just this weirdly bizarre movie that's like chock full of life and 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 you know, these people aren't phoning it in, like they're putting their all into it, and they, you have to respect that and you have to appreciate that. Even if you end up not being a big fan of the movie after you watch it, it definitely is worth you watching. And I guess that's what we're really trying to say is like, hey, go check out this movie that you've been probably hearing about for most of your life, give it a go, yeah. see what you think. It's weird, it's bizarre, it's crazy. What do you think? <laughs> right, yeah, and that's that's kind of all I want to encourage people to do is like, is like give this a go. It's two hours and 17 minutes. Well, what else you got going on?
1: I and mean, that's nothing by today's standards.
0: That's nothing by today's standards. I mean, you can—that's—that's uh, that's like five innings of a baseball game. <laughs> wow. Yeah, baseball's gotten really slow since you watched it last. Mark, don't worry. <sighs> okay. <laughs> well, I think, I think that has to wrap it up for our Dune show, wouldn't you say? I think so. Um, wh- let me ask you real quickly. Uh, uh, just in case, I don't think I don't think I asked this on the on the book episode, so I, I, I want to ask it to you now. Would what would you recommend more, the book or the movie?
1: Mm, I mean, it would just kind of depend on who I'm talking to, but I think as a as a work of fiction and 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 as a, a story, a complete story, I, I would have to recommend the book. But you know, if I'm talking to someone who I know isn't a, a very big reader. I I look I would recommend both because I I think I you know I think this 1984 film version of dune is yeah love it or hate it it it's it's kind of a work of art and I think people should should see it just to see it
0: I agree with that and and to close I w- I will close out with the speech in which you were referring to Mark I must not fear Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will let it pass over me and through me. And when it has passed, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where it is gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. And hopefully, Timothy Chalamet will deliver it with as much conviction. Ooh, yeah, I like that. I got a, I got a Peter DeVries one for you, too, Mark. You want one, one more?
1: Oh, the, the, the Mentat one? Yeah. Okay, well... You know that he and David Lynch wrote this one.
0: Oh, did they? Yeah. I didn't, it, didn't sound, it didn't sound familiar from the book, but I, I wasn't sure if I, just, if I had just forgotten. Yeah, they both created it. All right. It is by my will alone I set my mind in motion. It is by the juice of Sappho that thoughts acquire speed, the lips acquire stains, and the stains become a warning. It is by my will alone I set my mind in motion.
1: It was a good one. I like
0: that one too. It is a good one, man. This, like I said, this it's a weird, bizarre movie, but there's there's so much fun stuff in there, and the performances are pretty legit, man.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: <laughs> All right, dude. This is uh, this has been fun. I'm so glad we got to do this. Dune, 1984, the David Lynch misunderstood masterpiece. Maybe that's for you to decide, right? Yes. <laughs> check it out. It's streaming. You can check it out on HBO Max right now. Or you know, just uh, I think you can buy the DVD for like six bucks right now. Just go pick it up. Who cares?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, dude. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. All I can see is an Atreides that I want to kill. There you have it, Dune, nineteen eighty four, directed by David Lynch. Like, like we, like the question we asked: Is this a David Lynch? Misunderstood masterpiece, or do you find it to be trash <laughs> of the worst kind, of the worst cinematic variety? I I will be very curious to hear people's reactions, not only to this episode, but if you decide to give Dune a watch, if it's something you're not familiar with, because you've never seen it, or if perhaps it's just something uh, that you haven't seen in a really long time. Maybe your opinion of has changed as you have uh, grown up and become an older individual, and yeah. We're really excited about the Dennyville new movie. I think that came through. And it was a lot of fun to talk about both the movie for this episode and the book episode, which you can listen to on the feed in a day or two, or maybe before this. I still haven't decided what order I'm putting these out in. Uh, (laughs) It'll be a mystery, and uh, you'll get a chance to kind of uh, discover it all on your own. As I mentioned in the preamble uh, at the beginning of the show, the book episode, we get really deep, into the real, just nerd tastic stuff, you know, a lot of like the big lore and the world building that goes on in the book universe, uh, that kind of doesn't get dove into. It doesn't get d- dove in. D- they don't dive into it very deeply in the film. You know, they make mention of things. They kind of explain things uh, quickly and in a way that a, like a cinematic audience might might be able to understand a little bit better. Um, but I think we try to get into it a little bit more, uh, a more thorough examination of Mentats. And the Bene Gesserit, and, and the the whole the whole the whole thing the whole ball of sand that is Dune, and uh, yeah, whether I I hope you will enjoy these episodes. I'm a little nervous about these Dune shows because I think Dune is sort of a polarizing piece of science fiction, uh, and and uh, I will be curious for the reactions to it. So one thing I didn't get to get into with Mark and I didn't realize it until after we were we were done with our conversation, uh, and he was busy the rest of the day. And and over the over the he was he was busy so I couldn't get him back on to ask him this question but I do have to point out another another one of those kind of head scratching uh, moments with, with the eighty four Dune film is after that, that epic rain scene that we talked about and how that was very much not in the novels and not very not in line with uh, Frank Herbert's uh, the thought process on how Dune should end uh, it goes the movie goes to credits and those credits are so bizarre. They're so strange. It's like this weird kind of a soap opera esque credit sequence with uh the roaring oceans of Caladan that we saw in the beginning of the film. That's the background and then you get images, like moving images of the actors in their in their costumes, in their guys, in their makeup and you know, so you recognize who you saw on the screen and it will say like Dean Stockwell and Kyle McLaughlin and and you know, it, it's just it. It's so strange. It's so odd. It's like one of the one of the strangest, most bizarre choices I've ever seen for for the credit sequence of a, of a big time movie. You know, we we've seen similar things, but nothing quite like it. It is again. The only thing I could think of it was soap opera esque and uh, like watching like an episode. Of, not even like not even like modern day soap opera. I'm talking like old soaps, and and like, maybe the weirder ones, like Dark Shadows, you know, kind of along that line. Very interesting choice made by Lynch to, to close this film out. And why not go out on a weird note? It was a weird movie, might as well keep it weird. Why would we have, why would we have normal credits? Why would, it's much like this podcast, why would we have normal credits? I mean, whatever. It's all good. So, yeah, I'd love to hear Mark's, um, uh, it'll be interesting to hear Mark uh, talk about that after he listens to the episode, and, and uh, We kind of get into it that way. So, yeah, we're going to get out of here because the episode is running very, very long. But, of course, we do have to thank the official members of Pophead Nation for their continued support. They are the best. They are the crucial ingredient. They are the spice that makes the desert planet of this podcast go. You can join those those official members at patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. You can join the nation and gain access to bonus content. And I like to think it's pretty good bonus content, but that's up to you. You decide. Thank you so much to our current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail, Jeff Coast and Ring and Ear, a great music podcast. Be sure to check them out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squid Master General, Mr. Brian Rissard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker, and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pride Brewing Company, right here in San Diego, California, and coming soon to Baltimore, Maryland. And of course, the Beer Hot Brigadier General, Zeus Beer Hops. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting the show. It means the world to me. Please remember we are on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Pandora, Audible, Amazon, and so many, many more. Uh, please check us out on YouTube. Shout out to Brandon once again for checking us out on YouTube. I appreciate that very, very much. Good times over there on the YouTubes. Hopefully they're not like interrupting the podcast with stupid-ass commercials because that would really, really annoy me if they were. alright let's get out of here we got another big episode coming up for you whether it's the book episode for Dune or the next big movie we're going to break down good stuff's coming on the horizon here on the TomCast Podcast thank you so much for listening sticking around and if you're into Star Wars by all means check out the other show we got going on MandoVision where we just talk about Star Wars exclusively because it's so much fun alright you know what's going to happen next I'm going to say the words and we're going to wrap it up and I'll see you soon Ciao, babes.
1: I will kill him!
0: So the Tribe drops its third straight on this trip, 6-1 to one to the Rangers.
1: For the Indians, one run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got, one goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on
0: the air. Don't worry, nobody's
1: listening anyway. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year!
0: <laughs> We're the Stanley Cup champions! Yeah! And I'm a big fan of your beer, too.